Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches from Matthew chapter 1 with a sermon titled, Faith When You Got Nothing Left. Reflecting on his earthly father, Joseph, Jesus saw a man who willingly sacrificed his money, reputation, time, and comfort, all for the fulfillment of our Heavenly Father's plan, not his own. In following this selfless example, Jesus ultimately sacrificed his life for all of us. Similarly, when you choose to relinquish self-ambition and place your trust in God, you're poised to make a profound impact. The ripples of your decisions can shape generations. Have confidence in God's loving plan for you, knowing that your choices can bring about meaningful change. Hi, friends. Are you awake? Amen. I love it. I'm online on the online chat, and all of the, our people, a lot of people are watching online this morning, and they're like, one Holly, who has been in our church since I've been here, and she's like, I don't like heavy metal, but that was awesome. <laughs> so, so fun, so fun. Hey, good morning, friends. Welcome. If you knew or visiting this morning, every week we play heavy metal here at the church. Uh, no, we don't. Uh, but we are so glad that you're here, and, uh, and a Merry Christmas to you in this incredible season. We had so much fun with 185 people crammed in here on, uh, on Wednesday at the church dinner, and it was so great as we were sharing about all the things that God has done in our lives, miracles after miracles. My favorite was Doug, who, showed, who shared that he's learning how to forgive me after I wouldn't give him a birthday cake at men's Bible study because he's got diabetes. <laughs> and... Uh, that, that made my whole week. I just keep on coming back to that. Uh, so well, who are we? What do, what do we believe as a church? We are a church led by a vision, and this is, uh, this is what we believe. This is who we are. It defines on uh, what we do. And so we believe that there's always hope beyond our brokenness, always. And so we have small groups and prayer retreats, and we have Celebrate Recovery, and we love people well, exactly where they are, and we provide furniture to people who can't afford it. No matter where you are in your life, in your story, you are welcome right here. And you don't have to be perfect, because all those people left, they're not allowed here anymore. Uh, we're just so glad that you're here, and we get to love you right where you are, and it is so much fun. You guys have no idea, as you've been giving to the Deacon Fund over the year, we have so many families in our church where this has been a hard year for them, and you literally, I talked to one family this week, and they said in all the years of their marriage, and they have a little boy, uh, uh, in all the years of their marriage, they've never been able to afford to give each other Christmas gifts. They'd just be able to give their son Christmas gifts, and because of you, they now are giving each other Christmas gifts this year. So that's amazing. So second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior, and that's an adventure that we do together. We trust Him with every part of our lives. And so that takes time, and also we don't never do that alone. We do that together. And finally, we get to bring restoration to the community right where we're at, right where we're at. We get to bring restoration. So, hey, can we just say a prayer real quick? Would that be okay? So Jesus, protect us, bless us. Lord, protect and bless me. Uh, Lord, I need you as I'm preaching this message today. And so we just bind anything opposed to Christ that's attacking us or me now in the name of Jesus. Cast it out of this place. Not today, devil. Go to Jesus to be judged. And Lord, we want your spirit here. I need you, Jesus. 
Fill us and renew us and restore us. And all God's people said? Amen. So what we do every single week, what we do every single week is that we then proclaim together our choice to love God and to choose him. So would you do this with me if you want? Ready? Here it is. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen. Amen. So can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? Would that be okay? Yes. I'm going to share something with you that I've been sharing, that I've been working through for the last couple of months, and I'm excited to share with you about it. But today is going to be, we're, we're taking a pause on Ephesians. We'll come back to it in January. And so over the next three weeks, we'll be, this week is in Matthew, next week is in Luke, uh, and then the week after uh, is a surprise. Uh, just FYI, we're having regular church here this week, next week, and on the 24th. The 24th will be two regular services, but we'll do our candlelight service in the morning. Does that make sense? Let's be realistic. You weren't coming back that night anyways, right? <laughs> so we're going to do it. So we'll have two regular services, but we'll just do it in the morning, okay? We'll have the blackout curtains in the whole nine yards. Also, because this service is so full, if you're planning on coming on, this, on the 24th, Consider coming to the second service. Uh, not all of you have to, but there it is. Okay, so uh, this week, I've, I got wrecked in a good way. Um, and again, I get pulled through the sermon every single week. And this week is about Joseph. And I feel like I understand Joseph more than ever. Um, and I want to share with you about Joseph's faith and about my own understanding of faith. Faith where I'm going to use a term that isn't quite accurate, but I hope that you will understand what I mean. Sort of like halfway faith. Like faith when it works out in my favor, but faith, but then when it doesn't, I'm like, eh, hokey pokey faith. Does that make sense? One foot out, one foot in. Okay. So can I speak to the part of your heart that is totally confident in God? Because I'm part of the, like my I'm totally confident in God with like A B C D E F G right, but H through M, ugh. Can I speak to that part of your heart too? Yep. That it's like I don't. Okay, you got this, but this I don't know about. Can I speak to that part of your heart? Can I speak to the part of your heart that wants to trust God, that wants to surrender, that wants to believe, but you just don't know how? Would that be okay? So, Lord, awaken our souls and help us, and we love you and we trust you. Amen. Okay, you might have heard this passage before if you've been in scriptures or if you've been in church ever, but let's read it again just for fun. Here it is. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph and Mary, they're set to get married when their families agreed to terms. That's how engagement started. Technically, as a Jew, the moment that you got engaged, you were legally married according to the nation of Israel, but that marriage wasn't complete until a year later. Does that make sense? So we have this term called engagement, which is a new term historically, okay? Engagement is the time when you say, I'm going to get married between when you're married, right? History, the moment that you say we're going to get married, you're married. 
But then for the Jews, they waited a year, okay? So Mary would have been about 14, Joseph probably 16, 17, which was normal for that time and age, right? And I know that so many of you who have 14-year-olds in your house, you can't wait for them to leave. You're like, you want to go now? Let's go. Here it is, right? Somebody else's problem. There it is, okay? So why? So, so they just, the parents decided, you know, Joseph and Mary, they shared some glances. They weren't allowed to talk to each other much. They shared some glances. The parents talked about it. Yep, we're going to get married. And then why the year? Well, so they could get to know each other, right? And so that Joseph could build them a house. Joseph was a carpenter. He worked with stone. He, he built things, right? That's if you're ever a carpenter, you build things starting on the ground, right? So you got to build a foundation. No concrete, so stone, Okay. So then what happens? Well, you know the story. Mary has a crazy moment with the angel Gabriel and the Holy Spirit. Boom, Mary's pregnant, okay? Mary tells Joseph. I can't imagine that conversation, right? And we did a whole skit on Sunday or on Wednesday about it, about how Mary and Joseph decided to go to the Jerry Springer show to sort it all out, right? Uh, so how does Joseph feel? Is he mad, probably, sad, confused, 100%? Can you imagine building a house from someone and then they're like, hey, so a little hiccup in our plans. Now, Mary is about to experience profound and deep shame on a level that we don't really understand. And Joseph doesn't want that. Why? Why doesn't, Joe, why doesn't Joseph want that? A lot of different reasons, right? Number one, it, Joseph doesn't want to hurt Mary. I mean, obviously, he's agreed to marry her, so he, he doesn't want to destroy her, right? But then also, if he decides to get married and move through and, and join with Mary, then what is everybody going to think? Oh, the two of them skipped to the end, Right? Right? They couldn't hold it together, right? They're, well, they held it together for too long, right? Whatever it is, okay? <coughs> so, so for Joseph, that had real practical implications, right? No one's going to hire him, right? The apprenticeship he was working for, that's off the table, right? Going to church is going to be super awkward, right? So obviously, they have to go on the Jerry Springer show to figure it out. Right, so what's their Joseph's decisions? Verse 19, you probably know the story. Because Joseph, read this with me. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph is faithful to the law, but the Jewish law says that you should stone a woman who's caught in adultery publicly. You should publicly shame her. You should, there should be a public death. Mary's family is going to be disgraced. They're going to have to live with that for the rest of their life. Joseph would be vindicated. So why does Joseph, who's faithful to the law, decide to not obey the law and divorce Mary quietly? This is a 17-year-old kid with an amazing heart. This is a 17-year-old kid with an amazing heart. He loved Mary. He didn't want Mary destroyed, even though Mary was destroying him. He didn't want Mary hurt, even though Mary was hurting him. He didn't want Mary shamed, even though Joseph will be shamed no matter what. 
not divorcing Mary and joining with her, Joseph would experience shame. Divorcing Mary, everybody's going to look at Joseph and go, you really even couldn't hold on to her within the first three months? Joseph is wrecked no matter what in this scenario. Have you ever lived with someone, been connected to someone, worked with someone who wrecked you? Hurt you? Betrayed you? We all have. And if you haven't, congratulations. And there's an extremely high chance that will happen to you. I'm not trying to put a curse on your life. I'm just saying chances are high, probability-wise, statistically speaking. So what do we do with that? Well, we can pretend that nothing is happening and just cover it up. But after last week's sermon on anger and living a kitty litter life, maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Okay, so if you don't cover it up, then what? Well, then you can burn with anger and resentment. But last week, we, uh, we learned that anger and resentment just burns everything down in your life, right? So what do we do? Well, it depends. Specifics matter. Sometimes we need to forgive and reconcile and figure it out. There are people in relationships we have worth fighting for no matter what. So we go to counseling, and we have the hard conversations, and we stay faithful no matter what. We talk about our anger and hurt so that it doesn't turn into that silent monster of resentment and disgust. We forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Sometimes we need to transition the relationship because we don't have someone that we can work with. They're no longer responding, right? And so the hurt, or the hurt and betrayal is so deep. And so... We keep our heart intact by being kind and loving, but we learn to love them from a distance. Over there. So this was Joseph's plan, and it's a good plan on the surface. But wait, specifics matter. What do you mean, Andy? I mean that specifics matter. I was talking to a friend this week. He wasn't ready to end a relationship that he's had with this uh, friend who's been in his life, a really important friend that's been in his life for years. And I was like, we took him out to lunch. Friends and I took him out to lunch. We're like, hey, man, like, move on. And he was like, no. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, specifics matter. And like, what do you mean? And he goes, listen, I'm the only person in their life who's ever going to talk to them about Jesus. And this church is the only church that I've ever been in that has the capability of actually loving them. So before I let them go, I need to, like, connect them. See, specifics matter. So Joseph's specific issue with Mary is quite unique, maybe one that you will never experience, right? Joseph is saying, you want me to believe you're pregnant with the Messiah? that the Holy Spirit hovered over you like it did over creation and out of nothing created something? Hmm. God now the Son is going to be born in you and through you, and we're going to be his parents. That's what you're saying, Mary? <laughs> so this isn't like, oh, they should have gone to counseling and worked it out. No, specifics matter, right? What was Mary asking Joseph? Mary asked, was asking Joseph to have enough faith to move past the, what the law says and even move past the let's be kind and be nice and trust God with absolutely everything. Does that make sense? 
Mary's asking, because specifics matter, Mary's asking, let's go on an adventure of a lifetime together and have faith and lay it all down. And we have absolutely nothing here. We have no guarantees except the promise of God. That's it. And Joseph said what? No. Why? Well, that's pretty easy. It's not logical. It's not rational. It's not strategic. It's not financially viable. It's not planned out. Sure, the promise of God to do incredible things, great. But cost-benefit analysis, does it help me in the long run, buy a house, get a car, have my 401k? No. So the answer is no, Mary. And Joseph knew, even at 17, that everyone would think that he got Mary pregnant. No one would believe their story. Right? It's one thing to have Mary. Why is my mic doing this? Something? Where's Mac? The, where's the minister of magic? Fix it, Matt. You're trying to turn the heat off? All right. That makes sense. Why is the heat on? There's, we have 180 heaters in here. Okay, is this better? Maybe? Great. I'm sorry for the, for the mic thing. Okay. So Joseph thinks Mary's crazy, right? Or at least she might potentially be crazy, but if he signs up for her crazy, then they're just crazy together, right? Can you imagine that conversation, right? So what's going on here, Mary and Joseph? Oh, it was an act of God. Yeah. And, and I can completely relate with Joseph because this is what I do with God all the time, right? I have faith in God's goodness if God doesn't ask me to sacrifice too much for others. I have faith in God's plan as long as I'm not stressed or struggle. Then, I, then I'm, I'm probably on the wrong path. I have faith in God's love for me if it all works out according to my expectations. But if I have one hard moment or one hard day or one hard evening or one hard ceiling, season, it's, eh, it's, this is probably not it. I have faith in God at the beginning and middle end of my journey as long as I always get more and more and more of what I want. Can you relate with me? Because that's how I think, because that's how Joseph thinks, because I think that's how we think and we believe. We don't have faith in the middle of all the hardness, the hard times and the easy times. We struggle sometimes. We have like faith up to a point. Now, I know why personally I have faith up to a point. And this is what God's been teaching me the last couple months in my life. The reason why, and I'm not saying this is you, I'm just sharing about what's going on with me, but maybe you can relate since I'm your pastor and evidently all your issues are my issues. So, uh, uh, so here's why. I've wanted my faith to be about me. I've wanted God's intervention in my life to advance me. When I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what I'm praying is, God, your kingdom and your will must be that things go better for me all the time, right? 
So it's really my kingdom and my will be done, but I'm, I'm hoping that God will bless me and advance me. Does that make sense? So God must give me what will give me rich riches or, or the best or the next thing or the parking spot close or the stress-free life or everything, right? That, that's what God wants from me all the time. So it's about me. It's about I. It's about mine, mine, mine. Me, 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 moi, yo, I, right? Me, me, moi. You know what that's called? Self-ambition. That's what that's called. Self-ambition says, let's make this about me. I'll never forget having Thanksgiving dinner with my grandmother. We're all sharing our stories. And she looks at all of us and she goes, hey, back to me now. And we all laughed, and then she left. And we're like, where are you going? Like, she literally got up and left in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner, put her coat on, and I'm like, what's going on, Grandma? Why are you leaving? She goes, well, none of you are paying attention to me or talking about me. And it was like, oh. I mean, that's why I, I, generationally I've been taught this, right? But this is my grandmother. And we all laugh and go, ha, 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 but it's ugly, right? If you tell a story, I have a better one, Right? If you have pain, I have something that hurts more. Let me steer the conversation back to me. Let me have it all be about me, right? I'm not asking you questions about what's going on. You're telling me stories, and I'm like, that's nice. And, about, and me, and I, and me, and I, and I, and me, and mine, and one time me, oh, I, me. Right? Self-ambition is not the drive to become better or grow or accomplish your dream. That's called ambition. That's actually good. Self-ambition is about my drive to make me the center of everything, to elevate me above others, and to draw the conversation back to me. Right? Now, Zed always makes me laugh and sweat at the same time because I've had, as Zed, our worship leader, to hold me accountable to self-ambition. And Zed's, uh, he, he's hilarious, and his timing is always perfect. And what he does is this. Ready? Here it goes. So uh, Zed's mom was sharing about her elbow hurting. Uh, Debbie, our minister, razzle-dazzle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I ripped my elbow, um, you know, when I was weightlifting like a year ago, and it hurts too. And Zed goes, I was a ripped elbow once. And I was like, oh, I've done it again, right? So if Zed ever says to you, oh, I was that once, you know, I was a chair once, oh, I was broke once, or I was a car once, or what it is, like, and he just has this uncanny neck in my life. Now, he doesn't do it to everybody, but I've asked him to do this for me because I need help hearing when I just take the conversation and turn it all towards me, Right? So instead of asking more questions, instead of being curious, instead of asking people how they feel, I want the attention back on me. And I know you're thinking, wait, Andy, what, aren't we talking about Joseph? What is this all about halfway faith and self-ambition? Let me tie it all back together for you, right? Okay? Self-ambition stinks because what it does is it robs me. It robs me of trusting God when things get hard. Okay? 
My self-ambition has me give up when the storms come, right? When the hard seasons come, when the hard times come, and I think, God, it's supposed to be all about me all the time. What, what do you mean I, I have to give? What do you mean I have to push? What do you mean I have to maybe be in pain? What do you mean I have to give and sacrifice energy and time and money? And what do you mean I have to do that? I thought it was all about me getting all, everything that I wanted all the time. Self-ambition robs me of faith, right? Only after, only after the storms are gone do I realize that the storm actually brought what God wanted to ha- accomplish in my life, that God was clearing a path, not capsizing me. And in the middle of all of that, I let go of God and was totally anxious and freaked out and miserable to be around. And then at the end, it all worked out. It's like, when has ever God not been faithful to us? When has he ever let, when has he, yes, people's free will wrecks our lives and God has always been there to pick us up. Yes, we ourselves have wrecked our own lives and made terrible decisions. God chooses us over and over and loves us over and forgives us over and over. He never lets us go, ever. But my self-ambition has me letting go of God thinking that I need to prioritize me because he must not want to. Have I forgotten the cross? Have I forgotten Christmas? My self-ambition, yes, it does. In that moment, boom, I forget it and I let go. And then I let go of the people that are right there to love me. See, God has designed us to have us love and prioritize other people in our lives. And maybe you've been in a family or maybe you've been in a marriage where you've all just sort of agreed where I'm going to prioritize me and you prioritize me. And as long as our self-ambition doesn't clash, we're good. That is a lonely way to live. That is a terribly lonely way to live. Because the greatest desires of our heart is to be connected to one another and connected to God. And self-ambition severs that connection. The greatest desire of my life is that people would see me and love me that are close to me and view me as valuable enough to hold on to me. What if they let me go because of their self-ambition? You know how painful that is? You do, don't you? You do. So what does God do when we're lost like this? Well, what if God had self-ambition? Well, I want it to be all about me, and you're not paying attention to me, so pink. That's what our self-ambition wants to believe. That That's how we think God treats us, because that's how we treat ourselves and God and other people, right? The moment it gets hard, I'm... I'm all about me and I'm closing shop and I'm not going to give and I'm not going to forgive and I'm not going to love and I'm not going to be generous. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I've been burned there before. I'm not going to try again. I'm done, right? Just going to focus on me. And so we flick everybody else away and we think God does the same thing to us and that's never what God does. The moment that we push him away, he comes closer. He never lets us go. His ambition is for us always to be connected to us, always to love us, no matter what. And so when Joseph goes, 
oh, the whole salvation of the world thing and the Messiah and, you know, the changing of all of human history. Nah. <laughs> right? God doesn't, like, take Joseph and go, oh, I'm done with you. Right? There wasn't, like, Betty and Harold before Mary and Joseph, and Betty and Harold had the chance, and they said no, and then God moved on to Mary and Joseph. Do you understand that? Yep. Right? Like, there was only one, Mary and Joseph, and God knew exactly all the roadblocks that Joseph was going to have, and he moved towards Joseph. How did he do that? You know the story. Ready? Verse 20. But after Joseph was a knucklehead... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I just love that. But wait, go back. But after he had considered this, men, guys, can I talk to you? We are, we are so logical and so practical and so, like, thoughtful about bottom line kind of stuff, and we'll consider things. Can I just invite you to consider that your considering sucks? <laughs> Unless you are actively asking God to consider with you. As men, we need to learn how to think with God about what's, what he wants, his heart, his priority. Because our considering leads to lots of problems. So back to the passage. Holy whoa, what happens? Okay, first Joseph gets the huge download that Mary is telling the truth, right? She's not crazy. In fact, the child growing in her is from God and that Mary technically is still a virgin. The two of these clueless, uneducated, poor, kind teenagers in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of history, on the backside of the Roman Empire, have been handpicked to raise the savior of the world. Okay, wow. But look at this. What does God not say? A lot. Like how to get from point A to point B. Like what to say to their families. Because now Joseph's going to wake up and he's going to go, you know what? It really is from God. And the families are going to go, you guys, that doesn't work. You can't just take responsibility for their life. And Joseph is going to have to stand up to his family and stand up to Mary's family and defend her. And he's going to be viewed as crazy for the rest of his life. And then there's the old question of where's Joseph going to work? Clearly not in that town because you're not going to hire a carpenter who has delusions and fantasies that thinks that God is giving him the Messiah, Right? Yeah, let me build this for you. You know what? God had to give me a dream, and I'm, I'm going to be the savior of the world's dad. Would you hire that guy? No, you wouldn't, right? Um, God didn't tell them what to say if people do believe them. Oh, we do believe you. Now what? God didn't tell them how to start a GoFundMe page about, like, how this works, like God didn't tell them how to raise Jesus. How do you do that? The Ferber method isn't going to work on the Christ child. Like how do you raise the savior of the world? No pressure. 
Why am I bringing this up? Because I've always wanted the plan, like I was building something in my wood shop and I know exactly what step to take, but that's not how faith works. Faith is letting God be the master carpenter and us to be the apprentices and we simply follow his directions, his directions. You don't have to know how it all is gonna work out. You don't have to know exactly how you get from point A to point B. You don't have to exactly know what's gonna happen next week, next month, next year. Trust God with what you have right now. He's smarter than us. And that's exactly why Matthew, in this very moment, then explains God's master plan so that you and I would understand that we don't have the master plan, only God does. That's why he says this, verse 22, but all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. That only just a prophecy that happened 700 years before as a way of God just going, I got this. Right? Don't you see? God has an amazing plan for you. Trust God. I'm preaching to my own heart as much as I am to you. Trust him. Have faith when you're tired and worn out and beat up. Because God is with you. Angels are all around you. God is creating a shelter over you, around you. Stay with him in it. Don't leave. You know what's so annoying about my self-ambition? Is that I prioritize me. Next slide. I prioritize me and my self-ambition because at the root of this strategy is the lie that I have to put me first because I'm all alone. Literally, God, his name is Emmanuel. He's with me. Amen? Amen? And what I never understood about faith, this is nuts. Are you ready? I'm about to share with you what most of you have known your entire lives with God, but your pastor is just figuring it out. You ready? Did you know that when you rely on Jesus in your moments of weakness and stress and tiredness, that you can do a thing called prayer. And when you talk to God in this moment of tiredness or stress or weakness or difficulty, and you ask God for help, you know what happens? It's nuts. <laughs> but he shows up and helps you. Are you still tired? Do you still feel weak? But in that moment, you could have faith and rest back and lower your shoulders just a little bit and take a breath. And there you experience the nearness of God and his strength will do something for you that you don't have on your own. I never knew that. I thought that faith was just me agreeing that God loved me while I tried to make it through by myself. But that's the lie of self-ambition. In addition to Jesus being with me in that moment, you know what else happens when you decide to punch self-ambition in the mouth? You know what else happens? You realize that the people that are around you are actually there helping you. And you know what you could do? When they say, hey, what do you need? Instead of you saying, I'm fine, I got it. I can handle it all on my own. You could say, 
would you pray for me, please? Or could you get this for me, please? Or I'm a hot mess right now. Would you please come help me? And you know what's miraculous? They do it. And you know what happens? You get help. Do you want to reject the lie that we're alone? Would that be okay? If you want to, you can just repeat after me. Jesus, I reject the lie that I'm alone. I reject the lie of self-ambition that I have to only take care of me. I trust you. I take my reliance back. I take my dependence back. I take my faith back. In Jesus' name. So what happens with Joseph? He has the dream, right? And he could have been like Ebenezer Scrooge after seeing Marley. You're more like a bit of undigested beef, right? You're a bad dream, right? But instead, what does Joseph do? Verse 24. Let's read. Ready? Read with me. When Joseph woke up, I love this. Joseph woke up. Jesus Wake us up. Wake us up so that we can be people to see your goodness. Wake us up so that we can see the gift of people who you've already given to us. Wake us up so that we can see the people that we're called to sacrifice for right in front of our face. Wake us up. Wake us up out of our slumber. Wake us up out of our self-ambition. Wake us up out of our selfishness. Open our eyes so that we can see that we could truly sacrifice and radically change the people around our, us, their lives. Right now, Jesus, wake us up, amen? Wake us up, Jesus, so that we can listen to you, so that we can rely on you, so that we can hear your voice, that we're no longer deaf and dumb and closed off to you, but that our ears are unplugged, amen? Amen. You say this, Jesus, wake me up. up. Joseph woke up and realized Mary wasn't crazy. Her invitation to the adventure of saying yes to God was worth following. And so Joseph did what the angel told him to do. He took Mary, his wife. Well, then what happens? Verse 25. This is the greatest miracle in all of Scripture. But he did not consummate their marriage. (laughs) 17-year-old boy, married. Hey, go ahead and wait for nine months. That's a miracle from the Lord. And what did Joseph do? He gave him the name Jesus. When Jesus, as Jesus grew up, what did he see in his dad? He saw his dad continually do the thing that he learned how to do in this moment when he was 17. He saw his dad say, you know what? It's not going to be about my will, and it's not going to be about my plan. It's not going to be about my timing. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my Jesus first. I'm going to put my Mary first. I'm going to put all my kids first, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them. So when Jesus felt betrayed and when he felt misunderstood and when he was getting wrecked by other people, You know who he thought of? 
He thought of his dad. He's like, Dad, you could do this. You showed me how. So I'm going to love them and be faithful to them right now. You have no idea your significance of your life. You literally will change the generations before you. No matter how old or young you are right now, when you let go of self-ambition and when you hold on to God in the middle of the good times and in the bad times, you'll change the world. And you are right now. When you have nothing left, God has everything for you. He loves you. And he's in the middle of your situation right now. And he's got a good plan for you. And you hold on. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, bless and seal this good news in the hearts of my friends. God, thank you that as we hold on to you, you are holding on to us. Lord, thank you for being faithful to me when I've been completely lost in my self-ambition. And now, Jesus, you are loving me back to life through my friends in this church. Lord, I just pray for your faith and your love and your hope to carry my friends through this week. I pray that as they trust you and talk to you and invite you into their considerations and into their stress and difficulty, they would see you and experience you like never before. And I pray against all the plans the enemy has to rob and destroy what you've done in their hearts today. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. And I pray for a blessing upon your week this week. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's saints said, have a great day, you guys. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.